Welcome back to Coriam, the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue Emergency Medicine Residency Program. I'm Brian Gilberti. And I'm Breed C. So what are we talking about this week, Brian? So today we're going to tackle one of the more controversial topics in emergency medicine, which is the urine drug screened, aka the Utox. Talk about who needs it, is it even reliable, and what does it even test for? Luckily, we're joined by an emergency physician and one of the toxicologists in training, Dr. Phil DeSalvo. Right. We're so, so excited that you're joining us today to help shed some light on the urine tox test. Dr. DeSalvo is originally from West Virginia, completed his emergency medicine residency at NYU Bellevue, and is halfway through his toxicology fellowship at NYU Bellevue and the NYC Poison Control Center. He's currently on faculty here at NYU Bellevue as a practicing emergency medicine physician. Welcome to Corey M, Phil. Thanks, guys. Really happy to be here. All right, Phil. So let's dive right in with a couple questions. First of all, what is usually included in a standardized urine drug screen? And do they differ between emergency departments? Great question. So to answer that, I think it helps to have a little bit of understanding of the history of the urine drug screen. It's always been possible to test for specific drugs of abuse. But in the 70s and 80s, the federal government started sending urine drug screen panels first on Vietnam War vets, and then through some federal legislation, started testing all federal employees and then expanding that to all transportation employees. The National Institute of Drug Abuse was tasked with coming up with uh, a specific panel of drugs to check for. And you'll often hear this referred to as the NIDA-5. Those five drugs are, are marijuana, PCP, opiates, amphetamines, and cocaine. So this forms a bit of a backbone to a lot of future urine drug panels. And then the National Academy of Clinical Biochemists, sometime later, tried to come up with some consensus guidelines on other urine drug tests that most clinical sites should be able to turn around in a reasonable period of time. And, and their panel is amphetamines, barbiturates, cocaine, opiates, PCP. But even they didn't have great consensus on, on when these tests are appropriate to employ and, and which other things should be included. One of the unexpected perks of, of doing a, a toxicology fellowship is you get this peek behind the curtain at a, a vast array of different clinical sites. So our catchment area here in New York is 12 million patients, and we, we talk to providers at over 60 different hospitals. So you see that there's a huge degree of variability in terms of what's on the urine drug screen when providers type that into their electronic ordering system. In general, the first urine drug screen that most clinical sites send is an immunoassay. And this is subject to uh, a number of limitations in terms of false positives and negatives. But then it escalates from there and, and, and most sites can send, send out tests to, to outside labs that can look for more and more drugs with more and more precision. So I was just taking a peek the other day at, at some of the offerings from one of the more commonly employed out, outside labs. And there's a there's one drug, extended drug panel offered that's you know more often used for postmortem toxicology, but it tests for 251 different substances with confirmatory testing available for, for most of those. Wow. I mean I know this is part of why the urine drug screen is so controversial, and you briefly touched on this, but what other medications, either recreational, prescription, over-the-counter, can cause false positives or false negatives on the urine drug screen? 
And is there a universal specificity and sensitivity for urine drug screen tests, or do they just vary widely among all the different sites that you've seen? So that gets right to the heart of the problem with urine drug screens, which is the, the false positives and false negatives. T to begin, there's a lot of misconception and incomplete understanding about what the urine drug screens are actually looking for. So a, a test may result as negative, and that may not actually be a false negative based on what the manufacturers are advertising the characteristics of the test to be, but the test may not be checking for what you think it is, and so a provider ordering it may interpret it uh, erroneously as excluding a particular class of substance. Let, let me give you a, a concrete example. The opiate screen, uh, in some cases, only looks for uh, natural or, or semi-synthetic opiates and often excludes or, or misses synthetic opioids, including fentanyl or fentanyl derivatives or methadone. So somebody with a classic opioid intoxication may have a, a negative urine drug screen for opiates, and that's because uh, their, their, their toxicity is from fentanyl or one of the other synthetic opioids. So then there's, on top of that, a number of different interfering substances that changes based on which manufacturer is supplying the assay and which antibodies they use. There are some common culprit uh, over-the-counter medications and other substances that will give you false positives on a broad spectrum of, of assays. And so we can go through some of the, the things that we hear about and some of the things we talk about commonly. One of the more popular interfering substances in, in the, the lay press and uh, among a lot of lay people is, is poppy seeds for, for opiates, right? This is a, a classic false positive. In reality, this is pretty rare uh, based on the, the threshold of detection that most assays use. Uh, but there are many things that are given over the counter or other prescriptions that may trip the assay positive. Things like dextromethorphan or quinine or the quinolones. Amphetamine screens suffer from a lot of false positives as well. Prescriptions like bupropion and over-the-counter medications that contain uh, ephedrine or pseudoephedrine can give you a false positive amphetamine screen. An amphetamine screen may not detect uh, related compounds that can present with similar toxicity, including things like MDMA or a number of the cathinones. I want to give you just, just one example. We ran into a, a series of patients that came in with opioid and cocaine intoxication due to a contaminated drug. The urine drug screen sent in the emergency department came back positive for uh, just cocaine, was negative for opiates. Uh, the urine fentanyl screen was positive because this particular site had the capacity to test for it. Um, when we sent their urines and blood for further analysis from some of our colleagues at the, the chief medical examiner office, uh, we detected a huge list of substances, uh, norfentanyl, beta-hydroxyfentanyl, acetafentanyl, 
uh, levamisole, lidocaine, gabapentin, MDMA, uh, nicotine, cotinine. So what you see on the urine drug screen can sometimes just be the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, what the patient's been exposed to. But despite all that, uh, it's, it's seldom going to change management. Uh, the, the fact is most patients who come in with intoxication from a drug of abuse warranting treatment are going to present with a toxidrome that most clinicians can identify. And because the urine drug screen is subject to so many false positives and false negatives, we'd really caution people against relying on those to rule in or rule out uh, the presence of a, a drug of abuse. There are some tests that are a little bit more sensitive and, and, and specific. Uh, it really does depend on the drug. So the cocaine assay tends to, to be pretty specific. Uh, it, if, if a urine drug screen is positive for cocaine, it, you can be fairly assured that the patient was exposed to cocaine sometime in the last few days. Now, again, this doesn't necessarily say anything about intent. Um, they may have been exposed to cocaine contaminating a different drug of abuse. They may be one of the rare patients that uh, underwent an ENT procedure where they used topical cocaine in a, in, a, in a completely legal, completely acceptable fashion. But that test of all the urine drug screens tends to be the, the most specific. Wow. So a lot of considerations here. Are there any scenarios in which you would send a quantitative urine drug screen to help us out with the false positives and false negatives? Absolutely. So occasionally as, as toxicologists or as emergency physicians, we kind of dip our toes in forensic toxicology. And uh, the, the cases that, that come up most frequently are cases of drug-facilitated sexual assault. And in these settings... Most hospitals have a, some sort of protocol uh, for obtaining those samples and maintaining chain of custody and getting those to appropriate law enforcement uh, personnel uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a rigorous, legally rigorous fashion. Uh, the other scenario that comes up is cases of suspected child abuse. Unfortunately, you know, this is something that we see in the emergency department, and it's our, our duty to try to identify these cases. Because the, the standard urine drug screen is subject to so many false positives and false negatives, it can be really helpful in those cases to send confirmatory testing. And, and by confirmatory testing, the standard is typically GC mass spec or LC mass spec. These are tests that are often not available on site and that probably won't result in a clinic clinically meaningful amount of time, but are nonetheless important to send out. So in any of the cases of suspected child abuse, you really want to send the confirmatory test on the earliest collected urine and blood samples. Even these tests may be subject to legal challenges. And unfortunately, we don't have all the mechanisms in place at most clinical sites to, to maintain rigorous chain of custody and, uh, and some of the other standards that other settings use. Uh, but it's nonetheless uh, important to, to do the best we can and get the most accurate tests that we can. Gotcha. So 
Um, earlier you spoke about the cocaine test, for example, reflecting that someone has probably been exposed to cocaine in the past few days. Um, how does timing of drug ingestion slash exposure affect the urine drug screen results for, for other drugs? Is it weeks, days, or hours? And does acute versus chronic use affect the results? It absolutely does. Yeah, And, and this is another situation in which the, the answer is going to depend on, on the drug. So for cocaine, in which the urine drug screen detects one of the metabolites, that's going to remain positive after acute use for you know somewhere around two to four days. Uh, with heavy daily use, that, that period extends out to a week or so. But the situation changes for other drugs. So, so marijuana has one of the widest spectrums of durations. And after a single use, you might detect the metabolite for a couple of days. In a heavy, chronic, daily smoker, you're going to see positive results up to a, a month or even longer. And that's because of redistribution of, of some of the, the metabolites into adipose tissue. The other drugs of abuse that we screen for have similarly variable rates of detection. But in general, you can think of acute use for most drugs giving you a positive result for at least a couple of days. There's a great publication that, that we refer people to a lot of times, and that's the, the Mayo Clinic's Guide to Clinical Interpretation of the Urine Drug Tests. Uh, it not only gives you a, a handy guide to how long a test may remain positive after exposure, but also has an extensive list of interfering substances and other uh, over-the-counter medications that may give you false positives. Great, and we can go ahead and throw that table in our show notes. All right, now, Phil, I have one of the big questions regarding this topic, and that is, have you seen a urine drug screen impact ED management for patients? And to take it a step further, why do ED psychiatrists always want a urine drug screen for quote-unquote medical clearance before psychiatric evaluation? Yeah, I mean, to tag on Brian's question, Phil, as a toxicologist, when do you think a urine drug screen is ever helpful? For Example, a urine drug screen is automatically included in our lab panel for all trauma patients. I guess it's helpful to me in some trauma cases if I'm not entirely sure why a patient crashed into a tree. I mean, I'm not saying I'd use it to definitively rule out syncope, stroke, ACS, seizure, or other emergency etiologies. But in a young, healthy patient who can't give a clear story, it may slightly help expand my differential and, and get social work involved. The urine drug screen definitely has a role in, in clinical medicine, and, and particularly for our, our psychiatry colleagues. When a patient is suspected of using a drug of abuse but is, is denying that use, in some settings when, when presented by a psychiatrist or by a treating provider with that positive urine drug screen, it can, it can open doors to a better conversation uh, and a more honest conversation with that patient and, and really facilitate treatment. Uh, there are other settings in which it, it can be useful outside of the emergency department, including pain clinics or medication-assisted therapy clinics for opioid use disorder uh, to identify cases of drug diversion or, or medication non-adherence. Uh, but the, the usefulness in the emergency department is, is really pretty limited. If our psychiatry colleagues are, are asking for the urine drug screen as a component of, of medical clearance, it's often easier for us to obtain that early urine sample, and so I'm happy to get it for them uh, with the understanding that 
anybody who is participating in the care of that patient on the emergency side should have a, a robust understanding of what those results imply uh, before even sending that screen. But I think it's important not to be too dogmatic about it when, when it's useful for us to collect that, that sample for our colleagues, either on the inpatient side or in psychiatry, we try to do so. As far as interpreting it for the, the care of, of emergency patients, I, I really would caution against sending it as a, a knee-jerk response to either an undifferentiated, altered patient or somebody with a suspected drug of abuse uh, intoxication. It, you really run the risk of either prematurely excluding intoxication with a drug of abuse based on a false negative or based on an incomplete understanding of the test itself, or conversely, anchoring on a, on a diagnosis of, of drug intoxication based on a, a potential false positive. There are a couple of, of niche scenarios in which uh, it, it would be a good idea to send. We've we'd identified a couple um, as far as the suspected child abuse cases or drug-facilitated sexual assault. The other circumstance that comes to mind is, is body packers. And these are patients who typically don't have previous uh, drug exposure, who are recruited to, to transport drugs across, across borders. They often swallow large numbers of, of capsules of things like cocaine or sometimes heroin. And if a patient presents in that circumstance with a positive drug screen, even without manifesting symptoms of, say, cocaine toxicity, it may suggest a ruptured packet, which could require emergency surgery and which may avoid a, a really fatal outcome for, for those patients. So that's a niche circumstance in, in which it may have some utility. Even a negative drug screen on a drug packer that then becomes positive can be useful because that can indicate a, a ruptured packet in a, in a delayed fashion. But outside of those particular circumstances, the utility is, is really pretty limited. Gotcha. So that definitely makes sense. Uh, Phil, do you want to do some take-home points for us? Sure. I would avoid reflexively sending urine drug screens on undifferentiated patients in the emergency department or in cases of suspected drug abuse and really fall back on your clinical exam and your history taking to guide your diagnosis and management. Remember to send confirmatory tests in any case of suspected child abuse, and that usually means GC mass spec or LC mass spec, but reach out to your own institution's lab to find out what their recommended protocols are. And also educate yourself about what the limitations are of your own institution's urine drug screen assays, which particular things will lead to false positive and false negatives at your site. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for stopping by the studio and answering all these very important questions that seem to come up uh, pretty often on our shifts. It's always nice having a toxicologist across the street to be able to pick their brain. Thanks so much for having me. That's all for this episode. Continue to follow us on Twitter at core underscore EM and visit us on our website, coreem.net. Until the next one, this is Bree, Brian, and Phil signing off.